0: My next guest has more than 25 years of professional experience in the music and new media industries. He's negotiated and secured lucrative major label record and publishing contracts on behalf of approximately 20 recording artists with companies such as Sony Music, Warner Brothers, Atlantic Records, Capitol Records, EMI Music Publishing, Electric Records, and more. He's the former personal manager of Grammy award-winning multi-platinum alternative rock band Stone Temple Pilots, managing their career from their inception through their fifth major label release on Atlantic Records. He's now disrupting the music industry with an innovative mobile application called Vest, which gives artists an immediate and direct way to financially benefit from the fruits of their labor and put them in control of their destiny while allowing music fans to invest in their favorite artists and share in their financial success, something that's never been done before. I'm honored to have him on the show and hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Steve Stewart. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Notables podcast where we share transformative ideas and conversations with interesting and inspiring people. We hope you enjoy the show and if you do, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review and rating. We're glad you're listening. This is Notables.
1: Steve, thank you so much for uh, joining the show today.
2: Thanks for having me, Chris. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've been reading up on uh, Vest, and I find it... uh, just an extremely interesting concept, an extremely interesting uh, business model, especially with uh, the uh, incorporation of uh, the blockchain technology and all of that. But, uh, you know, spend a couple minutes and talk about uh, what Vest is and uh, for, for our listeners out there. And uh, yeah, we'll just start with that.
2: Sure. So, Vest is a mobile app. And it's the first real music marketplace for song IP. In other words, it lets artists monetize their music directly from fans in a way that's never been done before. So instead of a label deal where they're giving up their entire catalog to a recording label or a publisher that will take you know, years of their work and give them a small advance and then start to try to monetize it, um, Best lets the artist choose fractions of song. Not even their whole catalog, not even an entire album, not even a full song, but it could be as little as 1% of a song and make those royalties available to share with the public. Hmm. So on the flip side of that, it'll lets consumers, fans, buy pieces of their favorite song. Right? So if you were, say, I don't know, a Beatles fan and wanted to put money behind the Beatles you literally had no way to do that. You could buy stock in capital EMI records or Apple records but that's really buying into a record company which might have hundreds or thousands of artists. There was really no way to actually put money or put a financial interest behind a particular artist or song that you might believe in. Right, And we saw the publishing model as a B2B model the publishing model which definitely deals with media companies conglomerates and brands but never dealing with the public and we thought who's the natural fan for mu- for music it's it's the people that enjoy the artists they enjoy going to the shows they enjoy listening to those songs but they really have had no way to participate in the potential success of those songs ever before so we took uh a platform, a mobile platform we just put out last September, which has been out just about three months now, done um, about $100,000 in gross revenues because we've seen a lot of surprising demand from the public. Mm. And we've had about 50 or 60 different artists so far on the platform, about 160 different songs. Um, and, and a surprising number of people have actually downloaded the app and bought into very small fractions of the song's world stream. Um, We were very happy to pay our first writer, producer, a guy named Chuck English, wrote a couple of Mac Miller songs. Mm -hmm. Um, He took home almost $8,300 within 30 days of having his work on our platform.
1: That's awesome. And my
2: partner, Robert Menendez, and I were, were really emotional about being able to cut a check to him because it's a meaningful amount of money, right? He's a successful writer, producer, but his checks from Spotify and YouTube and iTunes are relatively small they're they're fractions of dollars or fractions of pennies in some instances, but this was you know enough money to pay the rent, put food on the table, pay real bills, and actually put money in his pocket from the work he's done. We think it's a really important way for musicians, both established and independent, to monetize work they've been doing for many many
1: years, yeah, yeah, absolutely i mean that's that's an amazing example right there, and it sounds like you know you do you are getting man very quickly so um you know it sounds like they're you're you're getting traction pretty pretty fast out of the gate so
2: well we think you know music has been an, an upside down value mm-hmm. proposition mm-hmm. right your favorite song probably listened to thousands of times it's not like a book where you read it a couple of times or a movie that you've seen a few times i, I use music it sounds really odd but I love music as well. I'm a musician. I've uh, drums, piano, trumpet, all through elementary, high school, college, et cetera. But I use it in a way that helps me through right. my day, right? It helps me through my life. It's a meaningful component of my life. But as you mentioned, there's a lot of value. There's a lot of work craftsmanship that goes into many of these songs that we all enjoy. And I think it's about time for there to be a platform that really reflects that in ways that has never been seen before, right? We want the writer to be celebrated. We want the creator of that song to be celebrated. We want the public to know who they are. We want them to be able to partner and share with them in the way they monetize their success in this craft that they do, right? One of my analogies is I can walk down the street and get a job hanging drywall in about 15 minutes. I don't have to have a special skill, but I could probably make $40 to $50 an hour Hanging drywall. But right. if I play guitar for 20 years of my life and I've spent years getting an album or a song in particular, and yet I can't put food on the table from that skill set, where are we? Right? I mean, how mm-hmm. how do how do we value that against a guy that can can hang drywall? It's it's a weird value pop. And <laughs> yeah. I think Robert and I wanted to bring an app to life that made the creators Able to su- survive and sustain themselves from the work they, de- they do on a musical basis.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you, you have the nail on the head because you know wh- where where would we be without all this? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, my thought is that music is an upside down value prop, right? It
2: really is a situation where you enjoy to that extent uh, costs far more than price of listening to a song that you might listen to thousands of times as your favorite piece of music. And Robert and I, uh, when we created the app, I mean, a big part of this was to actually let the artist benefit directly from the fans. Right? And if there's a lot of popularity, then they make a lot of money. If there's not a lot of popularity, they don't make that much. But the idea is control what part they want to monetize of their work how much they want to raise, and what the reversions were. So it gives them control that has been taken away, you know, at the age of Napster and file sharing, where I think there's a whole generation of people and, and younger kids that think music probably isn't that valuable. But we want to make sure that we let people know that there are people behind it that write, form, and are, are spending a lot of time and effort and expertise in crafting this work that becomes, you know, pretty much the soundtrack to our lives. So. It's an important thing for us to see artists getting compensated properly, recognized properly, and we made sure in our app that we include the writer's bio, links to their social media. So if there's other projects they're working on, they want to let people know that other artists they're working with, they've got complete control and access to do
1: that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Like I said, I mean, I, I'm passionate about it. See something like this, you know, the first thing I thought of you can probably help clear this up easily for people that aren't familiar with how this would work and I want to talk a little bit about kind of the back end how does this tie all together because you know when I first think of this I think of or our first you know look at it I think of kind of like a a, a micro kind of a niche crowdfunding site but it's 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 a lot different we're not getting rewards they're actually participating in the revenue or the profits that are being generated by that music is that a is that a true statement or what's the differentiator between this and a your typical kind of like indie go you know the, a lot of artists are out there raising money to uh go into a recording studio for instance
2: well you're exactly right i mean this is partnering at a very visceral level at a real level mm-hmm. right at a level where the money is coming in the door not Thank you. Or I'm going to put you on my liner notes. Or I'm going to give you a t shirt. This is you get paid when the artist gets
1: paid. Right.
2: Right. So you're actually participating directly in the royalty stream of that song. And if that's one of your favorite songs, that song becomes a hit and the artist makes a lot of revenue from that. And you have some percentage of that revenue. We'll see the same dollars that the artist sees in whatever pro basis there is. So if you own 1% of the song and may own 10%, you'll see that ratio carried forward every time there's earnings to be had. So you're exactly right. It's a meaningful participation in the actual earnings of that royalty from those songs. Right,
1: right. So it's, so it's far different than your typical, you know, the go-to crowd, crowdfunding uh, platforms, campaigns out there.
2: Yeah, and those platforms are great. I mean, they provide, you know, different things, bundles, you know, t-shirts, ticket packages, any type of, of, of things the artist put together. But we took it a step further and said, where's the real value, right? I mean, we see a lot of artists selling vodka, sneakers, T-shirts. I mean, everything but the music, right? If you're a musician, really, if you're a writer, if you're a craftsman, you've got probably 20 or 30 or 50 or hundreds of songs. It should be something that you enjoy creating and you've got a, a vault of music versus how many sneakers can you create? How many kinds of vodka? I mean... These are ancillary products that really aren't involved in music at all. They're, they're just other forms of income. But right. so we wanted to get right down to it and say, where does the rubber meet the road? Which songs do you enjoy as a fan? Which songs are you interested in participating in financially? And that's why we built this product. We built this app to appeal to fans so they had a way to support the artists that they love and for artists to actually monetize in a direct and meaningful way.
1: You know, I, I I can't say enough positive things about it. You know, it's one of those things I always said, oh, I would love to have my own label, you know, and really go out there, be in new bands. But this gives somebody like me, the, your, your average listener out there, the capability to almost become, you know, I, I don't want to say their own label, but... To to go through, find music, find up and coming artists, existing artists, and really get behind them at, like you said, at that much more granular, much more visceral level. Um, And hundred percent. I mean,
2: we see groups of people pooling their money together to come in and form, just like you said, call it a label, but it's a collective, right? Collective. It's five. Yeah, five people go. Hey, let's put our money together. Let's put twenty five grand in a pot, and let's invest or let's buy across. 10, 20 different songs that we believe have potential, right? That type of thinking, there's a, there's a million ways to game this that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. But the opportunity to do that from your phone, from different people all around the world, that can get involved on a visceral level, like you said, a meaningful level. And, you know, again, for someone who's worked on the artist side my whole life, I know what it takes to get that far. I know what it takes to get up to bat with a record. I know when that first royalty check comes in, what that means to somebody. Right. You know, I have been lucky enough to participate in music royalties where I would hear a song on the radio and I know, you know what? I'm making some fraction of a dollar every time I hear that song. That's a very powerful emotive experience. Sure. And I know that when people have a vested interest in something, they're more likely to promote it. And that's why we think there's what's called the network effect. So if ten million are participating in a group of songs, say it's, I don't know, a million songs, they're much more likely to share and support and push those songs out to their friends and social media networks than songs that they have no interest in whatsoever. And if I know I've got a team of 10 million people sharing and pushing my songs on their social media to their million friends or their millions and millions of friends, and it increases the value of my song just from being environment, that's a win. Right, we're turning fans into advocates. People go, "Hey, I really love your song." Okay, what does that mean? Hey, I got ten thousand of my friends download or stream your song. What does that mean? Right, that means a lot of money coming in. Yep. And and if that helps the artist because their fans are are ravenous, because their fans want to share it, because they love it, that's what we're starting to see. We have a guy named Julian Extra. He's on the app. He's a LA-based artist three thousand fans, right? That's it. He had three thousand fans. He's earned more than six thousand dollars on the platform in the last sixty
1: days. Amazing.
2: And he's taken that money, put a portion of that back into promoting his own song. Yeah. Which we're starting to see the whole ecosystem work. So he put songs on the app, promoted the the app, the songs rights, the songwrites on the app to his friends and family on social. They came in and bought. He took some of that money and promoted it even further, the people that weren't Fan, grown his fan base and grown his income just based on this platform, which warms our hearts. Yeah. I mean, he was on ABC in Chicago two weeks ago and wore our our jacket, showed our app on TV. <laughs> That's <laughs> was, great. Was, he couldn't do enough because he realized this is his income source. It's right. He's not on Capitol Records or Virgin or Universal. He's on Vest.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing. So. You know, I, I, I've grown up in, a, in the tech space and uh, I've uh, actually gone into more of a agile transformation and helping companies in a, a new, better way of, of developing products and services. And, you know, one of the things that I, <clears throat> as I was reading through and, you know, of course, I downloaded the app and all of that, and I'm, I'm going to start investing tonight, probably. But I, you know, one of the things that I, I think would be helpful, even for me, how do you really tie this all together in the app? Because you know, there's this concept of, you know, there's this technology that's just so um, immersive. It's it's disruptive to a certain degree, um, called the blockchain, and you guys are leveraging that to really tie all this stuff together, right? Um, transactionally. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird. Blockchain is a is a catchphrase today. right? Yeah. People use it as a save off to everything. I mean, there's guys I'm sure mopping the floor with blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> really, what it is at the very basic level is a digital ledger, and we saw a lot of value in transparency and efficiencies with with a ledger system. Now, you know, could could you have an app like this without blockchain? Of course. I mean, publishers don't blockchain generally, and they've got an accounting system. But we thought, why not take advantage of the most cutting-edge technology? Why not take advantage of the technology that allows people to, to have a transparent view of the rights that they're holding? Why not have a technology that, that tracks where those rights are in an immutable oh. party set? So we provide what's called blockchain verification. When you make a purchase on our app, you can click on the blockchain verified button. It will send you to etherscan.io, which is a very common um, Ethereum blockchain source where you can actually look and see the transaction that you just made through our app. So you'll see the particular rights you bought, the time and date stamp that show that purchase transaction. And you have it. It's it's not our record book. It's not our accounting books. It's an immutable ledger that your transaction is now engraved on. And anytime someone wants to look at that or check it or or uh, you know work with it, it's available off of our platform in a neutral third-party environment which we thought was very important to have going forward i mean I'm, i think you're going to see more and more uses of blockchain feature mm-hmm. i think rights management especially music rights management very very natural feature um and an, an environment for blockchain yeah so we'd be ahead of the game our division in south korea is launching their version of the app in about 60 days um they have a blockchain component as well and comco which is the Major PRO and yeah, the only PRO, they're equivalent of ASCAP BMI, has asked to, to utilize our blockchain for them because they're realizing that they need to track rights and they need to track where these growth are coming and going. So they need a solution. We happen to be one of the first solutions that's blockchain based anywhere. You know, Robert and I have gone to a bunch of different conferences in the last year and a half. Everybody talks about it. We were at an IBM conference here in LA about months Mm -hmm. ago, and kept saying one day, you know, blockchain will be used to track rights. One day, blockchain will help musicians monetize. One, when I showed them the app, they were just like, "What? Like they had no clue that it was already (laughs) ready to go in the market now, because yeah, they're they're IBM, they're they're a big juggernaut, and they're used to having institutions come in and utilize their technology on a very broad basis. Didn't realize that there were a couple of guys in West Hollywood building an app that had already you know, have, have revenue showing and artists taking home checks using a technology that will show people, you know, where their rights are, what point in time they were purchased going forward. So we think it's integral to our plan. We think, you know, being ahead of the game on technology is very important and we're making that available today. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And then you guys support a whole host of uh, uh, cryptocurrencies as well in there, right?
2: Well, we take the VZT token. Um, which has to come into our platform now yeah, you can convert to and from that sure, um, but that's been a very small portion of our, our user base so far we've got about ninety eight percent buying with credit cards and us dollars so far, but um, you know we're a global marketplace so we're we're open to, to all types of
1: transactions. sure sure absolutely led you to this and 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 why
2: uh, well, I've been playing like I mentioned I, I think I started playing trumpet when I was in grade i played drums through high school and college and i had an independent band and played a bunch of you know clubs in la for many years and then i got into music management i managed a band called stone temple pilots um oh yeah from 19, 1990 through 2000 i grew up with those guys my <laughs> band and their band were sister bands That's, uh... and i went off to school and got into music and started with i was working for ice t's manager um and made connections and networked my way up and at some point they said hey can you help us get a record deal and uh i took their tape around It was in those days and shopped it for about a year knocked on everybody's door and got the door slammed on my face about 30 times. Mm-hmm. finally made a deal in 1992 with atlantic records um managed another 20 bands in that interim um but i i i, I believe in music i'm, I'm passionate music fan, I believe in the way that it touches people, that it moves people, mm-hmm. that it opens up the world emotionally and, and in many other ways to people. And I've seen the power of it firsthand. I've also seen the pitfalls that, you know, happen to many artists and the lack of opportunity and structure to monetize without you know, a label or a publisher, which are very hard to get. Sure. A record label, a record deal is, is is few and far between and publishing deals as well. So, you know, I thought the promise of the internet was always democratize industries and allow people to really benefit on both sides. And it wasn't done, right? I mean you were able to share files and, and use and listen to things. I think the barriers to production and distribution are very low. Right? You can make pretty much a record on GarageBand that comes on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear pretty much any song anywhere anytime on Spotify or or any other streaming service were the real problems where Robert and I sat and we said, what are the touch points, the pain points in the music business? And it wasn't distribution. It wasn't production. It was monetization. Mm-hmm. Right? How does someone make a living? Because if you can't make a living doing this, it's going to fade away into a hobbyist thing. And someone asked me at one of these conferences, they said, Do you think your platform will a higher quality of music. I said, how can it not? If someone doesn't have to drive Uber eight hours a day, doesn't have to wait tables four to six hours a day, and could dedicate 24, 12, whatever hours, working hours they have in the day to their craft. You don't think they're going to result in a better song than someone who only does it from two to three in the morning?
1: Exactly. Of
2: course it would. So this is one of those verticals that I think is really valuable. I think music touches pretty much everybody on a global basis, but the creators of these songs aren't really able to compensate themselves in a way that's meaningful. Right. And so this platform is probably one of the first that I've seen that allows meaningful compensation direct from the actual work itself. Yeah, right. Not a bottle of vodka, not a tennis shoe, not a ticket or a t-shirt. This is the actual song, right? And if you love that song, support it. Yeah, Right, if you love that artist, support that artist. Yeah. If you love that writer, support that writer. This is your chance to actually connect and monetize from your fan base directly
1: yeah yeah it's 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 great and i, and I can see it i could you, you could just hear the, the the passion in your voice behind it you know and I, and I think uh you know the the end result is is like you said it's it's something very very meaningful i mean i, I, just, I don't want to derail us too much but i do have a, a, a funny story about stone temple pilots I, I went to see Stone Powell Pilots in San Diego back in the 90s. It was one of my first mosh pits that I ever got involved in. I was in the mosh pit for about four minutes. And I got my nose broken, and where was that show? was that San Diego State? No, it was on um oh my gosh, is just south of Pacific Beach in San Diego. yeah, this was okay. I forgot the year, but uh yeah, had my nose broken, <laughs> blood everywhere. all my friends, you know, of course we're a few bears in why wouldn't you and <laughs> all my friends were like you gotta get out of here my whole shirt was covered i refused to leave stayed in the pit for the rest of the show flinging blood everywhere that's my that's my last memory of of uh my my live uh stone temple pilots performance so (laughs) i was uh, i i I had to mention that because you have a history with them so you were in the mix i was in the mix
2: i was was at that show but i those were days where there was a visceral connection yeah music made you move. It, it moved people enough to dance, wash, whatever in the pit. And it was it was a real thing. And you know, I, I I'm sorry to say some of the shows I've seen lately, kids the the barrier is very low. I mean, you know, the kids hold up those cell phones and I'm like, what are you applauding? This guy just literally sang over his own vocal track that a
1: guy with a laptop behind him just pushed a button on so, I know.
2: Words. you know, you well, we could have done that, right? the guy with that mask on could do that, but you know, where is the performance? Where is the entertainment? Where is that that connection that moves you
1: to to break your nose? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We need and dance through the blood. We need we it. need more broken noses. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So, um you know, one of the things I want to talk about because I read this about you, I uh, want. Reviews. and i think it was uh, on the huffington post and i it really it really caught my attention i think uh they had asked you a question around uh you know what what would be five things uh that you wish you knew now or you wish you knew back uh you know when you were starting out and, and why and, and one of the things i don't want to go through them all but one of the things that you mentioned about really focusing on people right and you know you've you've I'm sure built several organizations. You've been involved in other startups. You've had a, a long and, and prosperous, uh, you know, career in music and entertainment. And, you know, how what what are the things you know? I just want to elaborate that for for a, a minute or two. You know, because that really resonated with me. Um, and and too many organizations, I think, don't focus on people. They they don't value their people. They look for Overly bloated resumes and credentials, and go after a particular skill set or pedigree or whatever it is. And I've worked with enough people and I've coached enough people at some of the largest organizations in the world. And some of the folks that really just have the drive and the passion and get behind what they're doing, you know, you can teach them anything and they grow and they want to grow and get better. So yeah, you know, we kind of want to hear from you and what, what you look for in people and how you build teams. Like, how have you built a team around Vest?
2: 100%. I mean, you're exactly
1: right. And someone
2: asked me this just today. They said, how do you hire somebody? What do you look for when you're hiring somebody? And I said, you know, I, I look at the person first, right? What's on paper, their resume, their CV, their experience. That's all important. But at the end of the day, I think anybody can do anything. And I look for guys that are that are basic warriors and women that that are really out there to fight um there's there's a lot of let's just say new hires and millennials kids just getting out of college today that I think have their hands out with entitlement issues mm-hmm. and the first one of the first questions I get sometimes in interviews is, can I work you now two days in the office <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like uh I said, you can work no days in the office with an attitude like that because that shows me that you don't even want to be here, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, a guy we just hired recently from uh, GMR, one of the big PROs PRLs, Irving Azov runs, a guy named Mike Sherman, who's our head of client services, he came in hungry. He said, I love what you guys are doing. You're on the cutting edge. How can I be a part of this? Yeah. Right? He didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't know what his technical background or qualifications were, but here's a guy I thought approached us the right way. He said, look, I'm interested in what you're doing done my research. I can see where you guys are going. You guys are leading. You're leading this this fight and you're bringing something to the market that's never been there before. I know it's risky. I know you're a startup, but I want to be a part of that. And I said, that's the kind of person I want to hire. 100. 10%. He didn't ask about vacation days or can he work from home or what is, you know, none of that stuff. That's all second tertiary. That's, that should be like so far back. I want someone that's passionate. I want someone that actually wants to come in kill every single day yeah and can i teach them can they learn will they pick something up of course a lot of the stuff that we're doing is an uncharted territory no one's ever built an app like this ever before so for someone to go how does it work we don't know all the time we're like we're going to build a royalty collection department we're going to build a user acquisition department we're going to build a seller portal so that artists can onboard their songs automatically I mean, we have all these initiatives that are on our roadmap that we're building. None of those have really been done before. So I know I'm going to have to teach somebody something anyway. What I want is someone that's eager, someone that's a sponge, someone that is out there, like I said, a warrior, where she can come in every day and say, look, I'm going to bring in this. I'm excited to be here and do this. And I think so many people, especially in the bigger companies, get caught up in the bureaucracy and. It's like, well, the resume didn't have a uh, Ivy League school on it, so I'm not sure if they're uh, – it's like, look, did you talk to that person? Did you understand where their passion's coming from? Or did you just look at 14 paragraphs on a two-page resume? Exactly. Right? Because that's, to me, where it starts. And there's plenty of folks that never went to college that I think have the potential to be very, very good in their jobs, very successful, and, and help boost our company as well as many others but they're not given a chance because they don't have whatever school or company at the top of their resume yep and I think that people overlook that. I think it's a big mistake. I think you should look at first is who that person is, what's in their heart, where are they coming from, and where do they want to go yeah and if you can align with that, if a company can help them succeed as well and all a one- way street, right I want my employees to succeed. I want them to be the best thing they could be and grow through my company at some point, right? Because that shows that I'm doing some entire ecosystem. And when we bring people on from Uber, when our general managers from Uber, you know, our head of client services from GMR, which is a very, very progressive PRO, we're looking for people from those other companies to come across. And it's not a competition. It's, we're part of the same ecosystem. We can grow this environment bigger. We can touch more artists and creators around the world. We can touch more music bands around the world that can participate through our platform we all win
1: Yeah, yeah, 100 percent and I mean I think that's those are some really good points that you brought up. I mean it really really does start with hiring the right people and defining or how you're defining those right people are exactly what you said. You're looking for people that are really passionate, they are eager they are fighters, they are warriors and they want to get better every day. They want to go in, they're not, exca- they're not scared to experiment, they're not scared to fail, but they learn those lessons, pick back up better next time. And I think, you know, that's, that's what I advocate, you know, as, as you know, my, an agile coach, you know, I, I build transform companies into more iterative uh, product and service development and work with leadership down to getting that kind of mindset you know, and align to those types of principles. And so that's the next question I want to ask you is, you know, with so many things, because this is uncharted territory, you know, and and you're not only from a full, you know, from an organizational perspective, but even from a product development perspective, you're adding features or testing features out and, you know, getting feedback on that. How do you approach that generally with your teams or organizationally from a product development perspective?
2: I mean, we spend a lot of time working on the roadmap. Mm-hmm. Um, we bring together, you know, department head more than on a weekly basis, almost on a daily basis, because mm-hmm. um, everybody brings something to the table. And sometimes, you know, one side of the table doesn't understand why it's important for the other side to see a certain thing, and vice versa. But I think that meeting the minds, we've got an amazing um, you know, chief creative officer, meek Richards. He's he's a design guru and brought together the look and feel of our app he sees things in a certain way i've got um you know daryl urias who's our head of royalty he sees things in a certain way from his perspective working at universal music for 15 right. years right so i've got different perspectives in the house that are looking from a royalty collection standpoint from a design standpoint from a management standpoint from a, you know a product standpoint where technically this has to come before this or, you know, to get to this, it's going to take us X amount of time and resources. Where is that on our map? How do we schedule that? Um, I mean, it's a constant battle, but we're looking. Our primary goal was, like I think my partner Robert mentioned best is three swipes to a purchase. We want to make it for the consumer to figure out how to buy through without having to, to go through a primer on royalties or how to rights work. Or, you know, all the all this, all the stuff that could have slowed us down, we've been really, really lucky to find that people kids in fact could pick up this app and within two or three minutes own a piece of song oil in fact we had a meeting at sony and the guy said do you guys mind if i open your app and buy something and we said no and he goes i'm going to start my watch and in three minutes he had downloaded the app uploaded his credit card and bought a piece of songwriting within three minutes yeah from, from scratch which tells me okay we've got decent product design got operability where it works enough that on the fly in front of a, a, a relatively big potential client, here's a guy that's using it for the first time, no coaching and he figured it out on his own quickly. Yeah. So, it, it's kind of that Apple philosophy. where There's no manual that comes with your iPhone. If you can't figure it out by looking at it intuitively within the first few minutes then you got to go back to the table and do it again. Yeah. So, we're trying to go and, and music rights is not a simple you know, textbook case of something. Most people don't even understand the very basics of it. But our thought was, let's get their foot, their toe in the water, put $5 into the song, and then you will probably be more curious as to how that $5 works as far as royalty collection, where it goes. I mean, it's it's a way of of educating the public, again, as to that value proposition. Oh, this is going to the writer that wrote 10% of the song. I love this song. What other songs has he written? How does that work? Okay, that's you know, that's the bigger, deeper picture for us. But we thought, let's start with an interface that makes very, very simple sense, is very familiar. And then we'll we'll develop, you know, and iterate off of that building in features. And we've got, I don't know, a hundred different features we're trying to implement here over the next <laughs> few months. But it's, as you can imagine, we have to start with the ones that were most important first and then work our way
1: back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that, and, and that's, I mean, that's the thing too, is, you know, in terms of prioritizing, I'm sure you have, like you said, you have over a hundred feet. You have all of these priorities to um, to kind of sift through and, and schedule and all of that. But you try to focus on the ones that are going to deliver the most amount of value to you know your vision, or your organization first, and then work back from there. Yep. So, so what what lies ahead? What, what's what's next for you guys? What's uh, what's on the horizon, and, and uh, what's the outlook for you?
2: Well, this year, I mean, last year was about getting the app up and out, which we did um, in, in the last quarter. This year, we're focused on user acquisition and content acquisition, mm-hmm. um, and then on, on global scale. So we've got our South Korean app launching in the next, like I said, hopefully it's less than 60. It's probably going to be in the next five days or so. Um, we're looking at Latin America. Um, we're looking at doing a lot more brand awareness and, and targeted marketing, which we've just started up. Um, we're dealing with a lot of major media companies now. We've got g that we're talking to we've got sony we're speaking with universal warner music group so we're looking at more depth catalog um we want to be a little more broad we've been very hip-hop centric to start with because i think those guys are super creative and they're super on the edge and yeah it's really mainstream pop music right now and it's really where a lot of kids are yeah um as you know most most app fans and music fans as a whole are, are, are younger so we're trying to get that message out um like I mentioned, we talked about a second ago, the roadmap. We've got a lot of iterations to go through. Um, but our, our, basic, you know, gr- our, our basic focus right now is on growth, both on the user side and on the content
1: side. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, Steve, I know you're an extremely busy guy. And, and again, I really appreciate the time you spent with me on the, on the podcast today. Uh, I think uh, just in, in closing, you know, with all the, the journey that you've been on so far, um, whether it's with your, your current, uh, endeavor here with, with Vest or, or, or others, you know, what would be a, a couple of, a couple of things, a couple pieces, you know, nuggets of advice for folks out there that are looking to start something new, something disruptive, something that hasn't been done before. Well,
2: there's two things I would tell you. One, find great partners. Right. I'm, I'm really fortunate to have Robert Menendez, who's my co-founder. Um, he and I back each other up every single day. We traveled over 100,000 miles together last year. Hmm. Um, we never fight. We never argue. Our, our, our alignment is, is almost 100% perfect. It's, it's really a joy to work with someone like that. So I would say find someone that you share that passion with that also can help you execute. Um, someone that's effective in maybe areas that you're not so effective. And vice versa. So if you're an introvert, hopefully that person's an extrovert. If you're great at raising money but not detail work, maybe that person's a detailed person and, and more of a fundraiser. Right. So find someone that complements you. The second thing I would say, and maybe the most important, is perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there are a lot of flakes in this world. A lot of people talk about ideas. A lot of people talk a great game. Very, very few people can execute. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Elon Musk about two weeks ago at the Boring Company Tunnel event in L.A. Mm-hmm. And, um, that guy is probably the best visionary, but, but more than just a visionary, can execute. Right. Right? Yep. Talks about firing off rockets in space. There's a rocket in space.
1: <laughs> exactly. Talks
2: about building you know, the biggest battery factory in the world, the biggest electric car company in the world. There it is. Yep. Right he talks about digging a tunnel under l a because he's sick of the traffic he digs a tunnel, yeah, so there's a guy that not only has the vision but has the wherewithal resources that came out of his own pocket and he structured himself to build and execute and deliver um if you can find you know good partners to work with and a way to be persistent to execute, you're gonna win every time
1: yeah, yeah, I think you said you said this in in one of your views as well it's just just showing up you know being consistent and per- persevering and i mean your example of Elon musk even admits the you know, surmountable you know controversy with some of the ideas or, or things that he's doing didn't waver one bit
2: well and he'll tell you he said look there's an eight percent chance that this was going to fail but i tried it anyway yeah. i opened up my patent to anybody who wants my technology because I want to push the needle for everybody, not just for myself. Yeah. Right? yeah. The guy that's selfless, passionate and bringing stuff to the table in a way that, you know, he's got a lot of naysayers, but I, I defy
1: any of those people to show us what they've done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Steve, this was awesome. I, I wish you <laughs> all the best. This is super interesting. I can't wait to start investing on, on best. And, uh, I wish you all the best. This has been incredible. Yeah.
2: 2019 is going to be great. I appreciate your time and your support. And
1: please stay in touch with us, man. I'd love to keep you up to date. I certainly will, See. Thank you so much.
0: Be sure to check out and download the Vest free mobile application. You can grab it off the website at www.vest.co. That's wwwv you can also search for Vest, V-E-Z-T, the iTunes store, or on Google Play. Thanks for listening to Notables. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review and rating. You can also support the Notables podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Just visit Anchor.fm slash notables, or click the link in the show notes. Your support is greatly appreciated. For more information and show transcripts, please visit www.notablespodcast.com.